fun, thoughtful, real conversations with leaders who figured out how to make a life change and who used their story to move themselves forward. I'm Deborah Muniz. Let's figure it out. Today, I welcome Jan Hines to the podcast. Jan is the Assistant Director of Transplant Community Relations at the Sharing Network in New Providence, New Jersey. New Jersey Sharing Network is the nonprofit organization responsible for the recovery and placement of donated organs and tissue for those in need of a life-saving transplant. I met Jan a few months ago and was amazed at the work she does at the New Jersey Sharing Network. It's then that I learned that she is the brainchild behind the 5K Celebration of Life held annually with over 15,000 participants. Pre-pandemic, Jan invited me to tour the facility and we sat down for our podcast chat. The events Jan references have changed to accommodate our world today. This weekend, you can participate virtually in their 2025 5K Celebration of Life, where they will celebrate the 10th anniversary of the event. Join me in my conversation with Jan and be inspired. Let's figure it out with Jan Hine. The New Jersey Sharing Network is a not-for-profit organization. Uh, we work to recover organs for the close to 4,000 people in New Jersey awaiting a life-saving transplant. Wow. That's amazing. Just in this part of New Jersey? Yeah, so we cover the 14 northern counties of New Jersey. Okay. Uh, there's actually, like I said, close to 4,000 patients that are waiting here in New Jersey, and we work with hospitals um, when a patient has passed away to let their families know that they may have the opportunity to give the gift of life through organ and tissue donation. That's incredible that there's 4,000 yeah, waiting. It's, yeah, it's it's a pretty daunting experience for these patients because, you know, once you get listed for a transplant, that is kind of your last and final stop, mm-hmm. right? Everything else medically has been exhausted and your only hope is to receive, you know, the selfless gift of a stranger, essentially. Um, the most needed organ for transplant in New Jersey is kidney and the average wait is five to seven years for a patient who's listed for a kidney transplant. That's incredible. So tell me about how somebody can donate. What is the process to, you know, I know that I think we can check it off on our license. Right, yep, that's correct. So there are a number of ways you can register as an organ donor. Um, when you go get your license renewed, you mm-hmm. can indicate on your license that your decision to donate. But even better than that is you can go online to njsharingnetwork.org at any time and you can register on our national registry. Um, so that's the simplest way. It takes like less than a minute. Um, but we also say as important as it is to register, it's equally as important to make sure your family is aware of your mm-hmm. wishes. Um, I've worked with the New Jersey Sharing Network for close to 14 years. And what I would find most common is you know, a family has suffered the loss of a loved one, you know, they're making end of life decisions, one of those being the potential decision about donation. And oftentimes it is a topic that they had never discussed with their family members. So, you know, in a crisis situation when you're already, you know, stressed and and overwhelmed to try to process and make decisions is already difficult. And when you throw in something that, you know, you had never discussed with your family members, it can oftentimes be you know, too overwhelming to even kind of process those decisions. Right. So we really encourage people to learn the facts about donation. There is, you know, some misinformation out there. It's one of those topics that until you're personally impacted, you may not spend much time thinking about or or discussing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in reality, you know, we have these end of life decisions that will have to be made on our behalf. So it really is a gift to your family um, to share your wishes right. and let them share theirs so you're prepared 
God forbid you're in a situation where you have to make decisions um, on behalf of your loved ones. Yes, yes. And you know, to your point that um, you know, people don't think about it, I drive by this building that we're in, in New Providence, every single day yeah. to drive my kids to school. And I've always admired it from afar, and it wasn't until I met you that I learned more about the amazing work the building does. And it's a secret gem that just really helps people to, to literally live. Yeah. And it's all happening right here. Yeah, and you know what's really rewarding about working at an organization such as this is you, you get to see the life-saving benefits of, of a transplant. Um, you know, when I first started at the network, I'll never forget one of my first cases um, was at a, a nearby hospital, and we had a consented donation, and we had called to the patient who was listed as number one for the liver, and I was told that he had died six hours prior to that phone call. Oh. So the patients that are on the top of the list, nationally there's over 115,000 patients waiting. They will die without a transplant. Um, so you get to see this amazing rebirth mm -hmm. and the second chance of life that people receive, but th what is really surprising is that equally as beneficial is for the donor family. They get so much from their decision to give. So, you know, we work primarily with families that have lost a loved one, and in their darkest moments of loss, we see them make a decision to help others. People that they have no idea, you know, who they are, may never meet them, yeah. uh, but they make a decision to save lives like I said, in the midst of their own loss. Right. But what we find from our donor families is that this is often the one positive thing that has mm -hmm. come from an otherwise tragic situation um, of, of a loss of life. Because through that decision to donate, part of their loved one can live on. Right. Um, and one organ donor has the potential to save up to eight lives. That's amazing. And a single tissue donor can, can restore health or mobility to up to 75 others. Wow, why tissue? It just has that replication So, capacity. So the organs that can be donated would be heart, lungs, liver, kidney, pancreas, and intestines. So like I said, up to eight life-saving transplants. Mm -hmm. But tissue um, can be used in so many different ways. There's actually over a million tissue transplants that happen annually across the country. Uh, and it's something that, like a lot of people may not think about. So for example, mastectomy reconstructive surgery is often um, donated skin grafts. Mm -hmm. Burn victims also use donated skin. Um, to re re have the gift of sight restored can be done through a cornea transplant. Um, heart valves can be donated that can provide a life-enhancing or life-saving heart valve replacement surgery for up to three individuals, and then also different bones and ligaments. Um, I had a, a woman in a few weeks ago whose son had bone cancer, and he needed to have his bone removed and a donated bone into his leg so tissue um, can be used in hundreds of ways and like I said up to 75 different individuals that can benefit through the gift of tissue and whereas most people have heard of kidney transplant right. and heart tra transplant a lot of people have, have probably never thought much about um, how their tissue can help others mm -hmm. as well it's incredible and I think you raised such a great point about communicating with your loved ones about what your wishes are yeah. um, because my, my father recently passed, and we know somebody who probably could benefit from an organ, and it wasn't until weeks later that I said, oh my God, did we miss a beat? Yeah. And it, we didn't. It was fine. But still, you're not in that mindset when it happens. Right unless somebody has proactively told you. Exactly. So the way the system works is that every hospital 
we have a partnership with to make sure that we don't miss an opportunity for a donation to happen. Because like you said, when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one, you're not thinking about all no. of those things. So there's a system in place where we are notified of any patient that passes away um, within one hour so that we can see, is that individual do they have the potential to give this gift? Mm -hmm. um, surprisingly, it's pretty rare that a patient will meet the medical criteria to donate. So for tissue donation, about 10% of patients okay. that pass away can donate tissue. And for organ, it's actually less than 1%. That's mind-blowing, that just less than 1%. Right. So, so the reason why is that in order to become an organ donor, um, a patient has to pass in a very specific way where their organs are, are kept viable for transplantation. Mm -hmm. So typically a potential organ donor is going to be somebody who is on a ventilator and has suffered some type of non-survivable neuro injury. So it may be someone who was like in a motor vehicle collision, maybe that had like an anoxic brain injury or a bleed, something neurologically that has devastated them to the point where they cannot recover from that event. Um, because their other organs artificially are being kept perfused through artificial means like the ventilator. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, I know for myself, when I started working here at the network in 2005, I thought everyone could donate because right. that's what most people most people think. Mm -hmm. um, they have no idea that it's such a unique and rare gift to give, mm -hmm. um, which is why it's even that much more important that people register their wishes, share that decision with their family, um, and even one no is a big loss because we have so few opportunities for these life-saving transplants to be made possible. Mm -hmm. um, and really, like I said, for me, what's sad when a family declines the option of donation is that I know that there's so much benefit to them when they donate. Mm -hmm. um, we walked around the building before, It's incredible. And for any of you that are listening, if you're ever interested in coming to the New Jersey Sharing Network for a tour, we yeah. love to have the public come in because our entire facility is truly, um, you know, a testimony to the to the heroes that are our donors. It's, I mean, and as you walk around here, etched in the glass are all of the donors. Right, and the names of all of the donors. It's, you know, I tried to not cry the whole time we were walking around. It's really just incredible, the, yeah. the generosity and um, the stories that are on the walls about mm -hmm. the donors and the recipients and how they have made a life connection yes, and exactly. have benefited from that relationship just yes. as human beings getting to yeah. know another human. You know, we have over 700 certified volunteers at the New Jersey Sharing Network and many of them are our donor families that want to go out and share their loved one's stories mm -hmm. um, and talk about the benefits of donating. And one thing that I hear most commonly is, you know, when, when a when an individual passes away, you know, there's just this fear of a family that they'll be forgotten. Because initially when, when someone passes, you know, there's a lot of support there, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is is there to, to kind of, you know, love on and care for that family. But just by the nature of life, you know, you, everyone moves on and, mm -hmm. and goes back to reality. But these families are left with this gaping hole of their loved one that, that has, has left too soon. Um, but what they say is that through their decision to donate, that legacy then is started and can continue for years and years and years to come. So families will receive, you know, notification from the sharing network of who was able to benefit from their gift. So we send a letter uh, between six and eight weeks that talks about um, the types of transplants that were made possible. So it may say something like, the heart went to a 42-year-old man from New Jersey who's married with two children Aww. and suffered from cardiomyopathy. Um, and, and they get 
correspondences from us initially, but oftentimes the recipients will write thank you letters to the family, um, and they can even meet down the road, um, and that's an amazing connection when they can meet the individual who received their loved one's uh, gift. But even if they don't have the opportunity to meet face-to-face, Many of our volunteers, like I said, will go out and share their loved one's story, and it really gives them that opportunity to continue talking about their loved one um, far after they're gone. Uh, and, and that's so healing for our families. Right. Um, it's almost as though they didn't die in vain. Right. Like something, Even though it doesn't take away the, the sadness mm-hmm. and the loss, mm-hmm. um, they're able to grieve in a different way because they know that, that their loved one was able to save a life, yes. and that is really healing for them. So that's one of the really remarkable benefits. So not only to those that receive, but to those that give um, truly benefit from right. from that decision. And how did you come to want to work here? Yeah. So interestingly, you know, my first experience with organ donation, you know, was was a sad one in that I had a classmate that passed away when we were 15 years old when we were sophomores in high school. So I grew up in Melbourne, so mm-hmm. you know, close by to New Providence, um, and I had a classmate that that was tragically killed in a motor vehicle collision and her parents shared with us that they had made the decision to donate her organs Mm -hmm. and I never will forget um, them telling us that she was able to save seven lives through that decision and it really had a profound impact on us because here we were you know mourning the loss of of such a young Mm -hmm. friend so suddenly um, and the fact that she was able to save seven lives through that decision was really powerful um and i so it always really stuck with me and i thought you know i'm gonna be a donor one day like this is an amazing gift to give right and um you know the sharing network ended up um through someone i knew a a position became available and she said hey you should come check it out so uh back in 2005 I, i came in for an interview and i thought you know this is an amazing way to to save lives and mm-hmm. to heal lives for those that have lost. Um, and, and I decided to take the position. And yeah. like I said, I've been here for 14 years. Um, one of the most rewarding endeavors that, that I started here at the network um, was a, just about 10 years ago, because we're coming upon our 10th anniversary, um, we decided to start a 5K walk yes. run. And, you know, when I worked in the hospitals and I would work with families, I felt like, you know, there needs to be a day where every year they can come and remember and celebrate and honor their loved ones. So we decided to start a 5K um, 10 years ago. We had no idea kind of how it would go, but we said, let's do it and bring families together, celebrate life-saving transplants and honor our donors. And we ended up growing the event to the point where now um, it draws over 15,000 participants. It's incredible. Between the two locations, we have one in Long Branch, which is gonna be May 17th of this summer. Um, and then we have our, our headquarters here in New Providence on June 7th. Um, and we have over 300 teams, many of which are donor families, uh, living donors, so individuals that gave a living uh, kidney or a, an organ while they were living, whether it be a kidney or a portion of their liver, and then hundreds of recipient families, as well as just hospital partners, community partners, and it really is a day to celebrate life, um, to, to celebrate the fact that these recipients are alive and they're able to run and be with their families and, and enjoy a healthy lifestyle. 
because of the generous decision of families mm -hmm. and the gifts of our donors. So if any of you are interested, there's a number of ways to get involved. Yes. You can come as a walker or a runner, um, you can start a team or come as an individual, but there's also an opportunity to volunteer. So we have over 600 volunteers between the two locations and it's a really fun day um, to bring your whole family. It's a, a super family friendly event. We have you know face painting, we have the bounce houses, we have uh, food trucks, a DJ, um, and when you see the people that had been touched by this cause, you know, you really, you can't help but be moved. Right. Uh, because even those that have lost can celebrate. And, yes. And, and their gift of donation has given them something to celebrate. Yeah. And this will be in all the, sh in the show notes, all of this oh, information perfect. we'll put on the show notes, yeah. we're going to put it on Instagram, etc. Yeah. And you have another event right, yes. coming up this summer exactly. too. Exactly. So in addition to our 10th anniversary of our 5k celebration of life, um, for the first time, New Jersey will be hosting the Transplant Games of America this July, the 17th through the 22nd. So the Transplant Games of America have actually been around for decades. This will be the 30th year of the games. Um, but basically what they are is it's like Olympic style games where transplant recipients are able to participate for medals and show the success of transplantation. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, these are patients that, you know, for, couldn't maybe even get out of bed or walk a few steps prior to their transplant and mm -hmm. now they're able to swim and run and play volleyball and do all of these athletic events because of the gift of, of a, of a life-saving transplant. So this will be the first time the games are hosted in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. We're expecting upwards of 15 to 20,000 participants. Not only can recipients participate, but also those who have become living donors. So, you know, hundreds of people in New Jersey every year selflessly give the gift mm -hmm. of a kidney or a portion and of And your their... receptionist out yes. there when walking in. Our receptionist, in. <laughs> Brianna, that works the front desk, um, gave a kidney to uh, her choir director of her church. Um, and that's a really amazing testimony of, of how even as a healthy person, you have two kidneys, you only need one, and you can give that gift to help save another life. So living donors are able to participate, and also definitely go to the website, sign up for the mailing list, and then follow us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, and that way, as different events are coming up, we can make sure that, you know, right. you can make sure you're in the know. Um, one of the things that we do here at the network is every month we have something called Advocacy Night. It's basically an open house to come and have a tour of our facility. So you get to see our laboratory, which does all which the... Which is amazing. Yeah. It's on the tour. Jan showed me the lab and just walking by it, it's what you expect to see. People in white coats and, yeah. and you know, testing blood. And it's really amazing the, the moment by moment changes that are happening here. Yeah. It, yeah. it's it just it's emotional to walk by that window to mm -hmm. see those people helping with changing lives yeah exactly so you can see our laboratory you could get an overview of the organ and tissue donation process as well as become a certified volunteer so we have those every month okay and then we also have uh, donate life groups that meet all throughout the state of New Jersey so you know we're here in New Providence but we may have a donor family or a recipient that you know lives down in Tom's River or lives in Bergen County or Sussex County so we decided to you know a few years ago start groups that meet 
in different counties across New Jersey and do local initiatives in their communities. So that's another great way to get involved if right. you want to meet people that have been impacted by no donation and transplantation right in your community. Again, you can go to our website, njsharingnetwork.org, and look and see if there's a group near you that okay. meets. And what questions do you find are most common from a living donor? Hmm. I'm sure they're very concerned about their health yeah. afterwards. Yeah. So it's so interesting because, you know, we work with hundreds of living donors that mm -hmm. have become volunteers with the network. Um, and I actually run a living donor council where we, we meet quarterly and talk about how we can help promote living donation within the community. Like I had mentioned earlier, we have over 3,000 patients in New Jersey just waiting for a kidney. So close to 4,000 for all organs, but kidney alone is over 3,000. And you know, these are patients that are already ill. Now they're going to a transplant center and being told they are they may have to wait five to seven years. So for many of these patients, a living donor is really a godsend mm -hmm. because they, they can't sustain that long yeah. waiting for a, a patient, um, a deceased donor to become available. So what's so interesting about li meeting living donors is that they live just as healthy of a life, if not even a little bit healthier after their donation, because they're a little bit more kind of aware and in tune of taking good care of mm -hmm. themselves. Um, so there's no difference in lo life span, longevity, or the health of a, of a donor versus a, a regular person, so to speak. Um, when you become a living donor, you may be in the hospital for only one to two nights. So it's a pretty short hospitalization. Um, the recovery of that kidney is done laparoscopically, so it's a very small incision. And um, all, all of our living donors report that usually within two weeks and definitely by four weeks, they feel back to normal, able to participate in all regular activities as they were before. Um, and what they report back to us is, you know, they, they it was such a positive experience that they wish they could do it again. And oh. some even um, will say, you know, is there anything else I can do? Because they, they had such a great experience becoming right. a living donor and, and knowing that they, while they were alive, were able to save Help another somebody. life. That's exactly. Amazing. Um, when we were walking around, there were so many beautiful stories mm -hmm. around the building. And there were quilts. Tell me about the quilts. Yeah, so you know when a, when we work with a family at a ho at the hospital, you know we really walk into their lives at the worst time of, of their lives, right? Mm -hmm. This is the time when they've lost a loved one and, and they're suffering from grief and, and shock oftentimes that, that their loved one has passed away. Um, but that's really the beginning of a relationship that can last for decades to come. So when we work with a family in a hospital and they authorize the decision to donate or their loved one has already made that decision, whether it's through the um, national registry or through their license, there's a whole department within the sharing network that does family aftercare and support. So as I mentioned earlier, we have the letter that goes out to the family around that six to eight week mark, mm -hmm. but we also have a whole program for donor families. One of the components of that program is to make a quilt square. So throughout the building you'll see quilts displayed and every family can make a quilt square in honor of their loved ones that we then have displayed in our building or out in the community and it's just a, a kind of a permanent way to to honor and to remember them it's really beautiful yeah so mm -hmm. families really value that um kind of display of art of their loved one uh we also have throughout the year between six to eight like support um 
programs where families can come meet other donor families and talk through different issues that they may be facing. A lot of family donor families, you know, really, like I said, get involved with our 5K or become volunteers and actually go out and share share their loved one's stories. Mm-hmm. So there's um, one of the other great programs that we have is called Wrapped in Love. So a few years ago, we started having volunteers that liked to knit, knit handmade shawls. And on the two-year anniversary of a patient's passing, we send a hand-knit shawl to the family from the Sharing Network. And it's through, like I said, our Wrapped in Love program. So another great way to volunteer is if you're into knitting, we're always looking for people to help make our our shawls to send to our donor families. Incredible. People need to come and tour this place. Yeah. It's really... You know, I'm speechless walking around and just yeah. seeing the magic that happens here. It, you, know, you just don't know from the outside of this building. No, it's so true. And, what, you know, it was interesting. A few months ago, I had a social worker from University Hospital, which is one of our transplant centers, come in for a tour. And she said, you know, when I walk into this building, I'm reminded that good goodness still exists mm-hmm. in the world. And it I does. thought that was really profound because it's easy to be discouraged. Mm-hmm. We're inundated with so much bad news. Yes. Right? And divisiveness. Mm-hmm. And what I love about organ donation and, 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 and donation in general is that these are individuals that in the midst of like their own pain and suffering make a decision to give to others and they don't give based on, you know, political affiliation or religion or race. race. It's it, it transcends everything yeah. that separates us and it's just a truly selfless gift to save another human being and what's more beautiful than that you know so when you walk through the building you really feel like wow you know there are good people in the world there is you know love does kind of supersede all that other other stuff that we get bogged down with and Mm -hmm. um, it's just a testament to to that at the end of the day we really do want to take care of one another and help each other and save save each other You can learn more about the New Jersey Sharing Network at njsharingnetwork.org. Visit their website to sign up to participate in this weekend's virtual 5K and learn more about their ongoing events like the Transplant Games of America happening later this summer. This is a time of such isolation, and one of the things that has kept me engaged and upbeat is being a member of the COCO and Summit. They've pivoted to offering virtual workshops, support groups, and virtual office hours that help to keep the members accountable and create space for actually getting some work done. I know now might not seem like the time to join a workspace, but when your workspace is virtual, it is. The Coco offers a community of hundreds of women who I have personally found to be smart, generous, encouraging, kind, and supportive. When you're home with your kids or trying to focus on your business, it's really helpful to have a community who you can go to for support. This is that community. Visit the Coco online at theco-co.com and tell them Deb Muni sent you. I'm Deborah Muniz and you've been listening to Let's Figure It Out. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Deborah Muniz or at DebraMuniz.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast at iTunes. Fun, thoughtful, real conversations with leaders who figured out how to make a life change and used their story to move themselves forward. This is Let's Figure It Out.